Welcome to Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, a luxury interior designer and construction expert. Educated at the New York School of Interior Design and employed by AD Top 100 firms, I have created a niche expertise in managing large-scale construction projects from renovations to new builds over the past three decades. Today, I'm on a mission to instill confidence in designers through this podcast and my online course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management. Whether you are new to construction management or a seasoned designer like me, I am all about transparency and tactical advice for fellow designers. On this podcast, I share actionable steps, practical tips, real-life examples, and behind-the-scenes tricks that I use while managing construction projects. Not only will they keep them on schedule and on budget, but will give you the confidence to know that these projects will end successfully, protecting your profit as well as leading to a pipeline full of incredible referrals. If you've been searching for support and advice on construction management to grow your skills and confidence so you can avoid the mistakes that I've made in the past, then you're in the right place. Before we get started, I want to thank each of you for being a part of this community. Your listens, subscribes, and reviews are what allows me to make this show great week after week. I've got lots of plans for growing this podcast, and that's enabled by you. Make sure to follow the podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a thing. If you enjoy this episode, spread the word. Leave a review and tell your interior design friends how much they can learn from this show. In any given week, I speak with countless designers across the country and frankly across the world. And recently, the topic seems to be coming back to marketing, which makes sense. It's a critical part of our businesses. But what I'm starting to realize, and maybe should have seen earlier, that the questions aren't revolving around marketing necessarily, but an underlying anxiety and stress about the current state of their business. And while I'll never claim to be an expert in anxiety, I was forced into a crash course of how to manage it. That's what I want to share with you today. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Like I said, I probably should have picked up on it sooner that the constant theme of marketing I was hearing from designers was really about something deeper that they were struggling with. And that is some form of anxiety or stress. And so these conversations take place through email. One of you will hit reply when I send an email out or just send me an email with a thought that's going on or a question you're having, or it's inside the course's new private Facebook group, or it's in my VIP group. It's just been a common theme over the last several weeks. And this past week, it occurred to me that this was about something deeper that designers are feeling and reaching out to me for support. And that's a form of anxiety or stress. And yeah, it's the holidays. It makes perfect sense. We are all insanely busy. And I don't mean that necessarily with just work, right? We have the holidays that we want to celebrate. We may be traveling to or from. We may be hosting. If you have school-age kids, you have all sorts of performances and exams and everything is coming at you all at once. And notice I didn't even mention work 
right? You're going to have projects. You're going to have deadlines. You're going to have issues on job sites and everything in between that you are used to managing without all this additional stress heaped on your plate. And so, yes, marketing is crucial and we will always talk about marketing. But I started feeling that marketing was being brought up as a means to tamp down those feelings of anxiety. And what I was forced to learn years ago is that is not the way to resolve the anxiety that you're feeling. And I learned this many years ago because I parent an anxious kid. And it wasn't until I was helping her through her issues, and there were plenty, that I started recognizing the signs of anxiety in my own life. I mean, of course, I knew there were days I was, quote, stressed out or there was a bad week, but I didn't really focus on the physical things that were going on inside me until, frankly, the professionals were helping me identify them in my daughter. And so while I was helping her learn how to cope with her anxieties, I was getting better at recognizing them first in myself and then in others. And so anxiety and hell, mental health has finally gotten the attention that it has sorely deserved for generations. And it's no longer such a taboo topic to discuss. And honestly, the shame that once was felt, thankfully, seems to have gone to the wayside for the most part. So what I learned from helping my daughter cope with this is to develop skills. So when you are feeling stressed out and when I'm feeling anxious, I do the same skills. And that is really to look at whatever it is that's bothering you and ask the question, what's the worst case scenario? Then answer that question. So for my daughter in the very beginning, she was afraid to eat terrifying as a parent, as you can imagine, in second grade when your child stops eating because she got a stomach bug. And for whatever reason, she associated the food with the problem as opposed to a virus that she clearly picked up at school or who knows where. But her brain was trying to protect her from getting sick. And in doing so, it identified food as the problem. And therefore, she just stopped eating. Now, she was a slight thing to begin with, and three, four days of barely eating enough to, hell, stand vertically, it became an all-out battle to get this resolved. And thankfully, we did. And so by asking, what's the worst-case scenario, she knew what the worst-case scenario was, and that was to get physically sick. But for most people, like myself, worst-case scenarios They aren't as terrifying as stopping eating, but they can feel as terrible. Where our whole bodies seize up or there's a a pull on your chest, that's what I get when I'm feeling anxious. I can't focus on more than one thing at a time. My mind is racing, trying to solve everything all at once. And I stop myself in those moments and I say, what's the worst case scenario? So this past Monday, I had no client meetings. Honestly, I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to hit the ground running. I'm going to nail that to-do list. I am going to get so much accomplished. And I don't know why, but I couldn't stay focused. The first hour I was at my computer, I was checking emails and then jumping to another topic and then checking a text and then looking into a client file. And it just couldn't stop myself until I did. And I said, okay, what is going on here? Take a deep breath. 
what is the worst case scenario? And the worst case scenario I came up with is I wasn't going to be able to accomplish all of my tasks. It was just too much. It was too much for one day. Now, I blame myself. I obviously put too much on my plate for one day. The next question you need to ask yourself is, so what? And then what? All right, so so what? So what if I didn't finish all of my to-do lists on that day? Well, I started to calm down thinking, all right, that's going to suck, and I'm not going to be thrilled, but there's always tomorrow. And then what? I went back and looked at my list and I pushed things to other days. And I could feel the stress loosening and I got things accomplished. Not everything I wanted to do, probably not even half of the things I wanted to do. But once I was calmed down, I realized that was my fault and I had set myself up for failure. Now, that may seem trivial and you're like, oh, Renee, that's just a normal day for me. And I get that. But the designers I am talking to recently are starting to really panic. The phones aren't ringing or they didn't get the job that they went for. They're wondering why. They're in their heads starting to freak out. Why is no one calling me? Maybe it's because of fill in the blank. And it's always something that they think they've done wrong. Well, I'm here to say after 30 years in the business and my girlfriends from design school who occasionally listen, they don't listen as often as they should, will be laughing as I'm telling you this story because our world tends to be cyclical. Now, it's gotten a little less cyclical in the last, say, 10 years. But when I started in this business, basically most of the summer was crickets. And then we had a saying, quote, anytime the kids are out of school, again, crickets. So that was the holidays. That was around spring break, Easter time. And inevitably, the four of us would freak out at separate times, luckily, call the others and go, oh my gosh, I have no work. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And luckily, that you know, phone a friend on the other line said, remember, this is how August always is, or this is how the end of the year always is. Take a breath, calls will come. And obviously, they did, or I wouldn't be here 30 years in. Now, some of that cycle has changed. The world doesn't completely shut down anymore for summers. But I'll tell you what, August is still pretty damn quiet. And guess when else is quiet? Now, the reality is whether you celebrate Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or anything in between, there's a lot going on. Whether that's office parties, deadlines at work, vacations, family. It all comes together between Thanksgiving and New Year's, and it makes perfect sense that our clients or our potential clients would put us last on their list or top of their list in January. So please understand this is normal to have quiet time. And once you get that anxiety gone, look at it as an opportunity for you to enjoy the holidays, to take some time off. Me, I love to work on office projects. When I have the time to really dig in and not be constantly pulled away with meetings and calls and working up proposals. Now, for the designers who put out a proposal and didn't get the job, that sucks. I am here with you saying it sucks. But I'm also here to tell you it happens. It happens to all of us. And it won't be the last time this happens. I don't mean to spoil your day. But the reality is you aren't going to get every job. And that 
has to be okay. Now, I say it has to be because you have to find a way to understand that these things happen so that they don't set you so far off balance that you go down rabbit holes that take you months to get out of because you need to get back up. You need to dust yourself off. You need to do a quick evaluation of what you think went wrong because you may never know what actually went wrong and then act accordingly. Maybe the client didn't have the money to hire you. So your next reaction shouldn't be, I'll lower my price. Your reaction should be, I'm sorry to hear that. If the clients actually say that out loud, you have options. You can say, let's break it into stages only, by the way, if that works for you and still brings in the income that you deserve. Or you can say, call me when you do have that money put together. I'd be happy to revisit this project. Notice I say the word revisit. There's no guarantee that you're going to want that project if they call you in two years. So don't promise that. Now, if they say, Renee, who do you think you are charging that kind of money? Now, I've never heard it exactly stated like that, but I've heard that in between the lines. But the answer is, I am sorry that this isn't going to work out for you. I wish you best of luck for your project. You see, this isn't about you. It is about them, that they couldn't afford your services. So this anxiety that we're feeling at this time of year, whether it's because you didn't get a job or because the phones are going quiet, it is temporary. But if you allow it to consume you, then you will be knocked off course and you ultimately lose the time that you can't get back. So the phones aren't ringing. Like I said, I do internal projects. Maybe you need to start by working on a marketing plan for the beginning of the year. I've talked in previous episodes about reaching out to people that you already have a relationship. Get in front of them. Just have a conversation. See what's going on in their world and how you can take that knowledge and apply it to where you're going to market yourself to next. Now, as far as taking on too much for the holiday, I am guilty as charged. Every year I say, I'll never do this again next year. And guess what happens next year? I do pretty much the same. Not entirely. I learn a little. Pretty much I keep way too much on my shoulders every year. The good news this year is I don't have any construction projects going right now. That is going to give me a bit of a break. And I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. In years past, I would have been freaking out. I would have been having anxiety about it. But I no longer do because I know that construction projects ebb and flow. And I am taking it as a bonus, as a early Christmas present to myself to have that space and time to work on things that I want to do. Knowing I will be that much more refreshed and sharper for my next construction project starting in the new year. Now, another topic that I speak with designers about a lot is their insecurities, is their concern that they don't know what they're doing on a job site, that they're freaking out, that they are going to be found out to be an imposter. And that also happens to me. Now, it happens far, far less than it used to, but there are certain scenarios that I get anxious about. And I go through the same steps that I learned with my daughter. What is the worst case scenario? Okay, so I'm walking on a job site. It's a brand new team. I don't know them. 
I'm intimidated because I want to make a good impression. And I think, okay, am I fully prepared? Will I know the level of expertise that they're expecting from me? Okay, take a deep breath. What's the worst case scenario if I don't? Okay, I'm embarrassed. I look unprofessional. I look unprepared. Now, is that the worst thing in the world? And are there ways to mitigate it? Do you flip it around? And when you're asked a question you don't understand, do you say, you know, that's a really interesting point. I have heard about that system before or whatever it is. Can you tell me more about it so I can be informed and help make a collaborative decision with you going forward? Okay, you still didn't know, right? I mean, you're admitting that you didn't know because you're asking about it, but you're not taking the hit over the head and standing there with sweaty palms and looking at your feet, right? It's okay to not know everything. I will retire from this industry not knowing everything. That still blows me away a bit, but I'm also okay with it because I know how to handle the so what and then what situations when I get myself into them. And ultimately, I can't control how they think of me. I can only control how I project myself to them. And if I project insecurities, inferiorities, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I really shouldn't be here. You're right. You found me out. That is what you're going to leave them with. If I react with, you're right. I have heard of this. I don't know much about it. I want to know more so that I can be a team player. Isn't that the impression you want to leave anyone with, frankly, in your in your world, let alone on a job site. Now, you may be saying, oh my gosh, this sounds great, Renee. I don't know if I can pull that off. I get that too. It is intimidating and why this podcast is called The Only Girl on the Job Site, because it's intimidating. Frankly, I will run through scenarios. I often talk to myself in the shower. That's just what I do. And in fact, Years ago, I had some employees that gave me some crayons I could write on the shower tile with because they knew I had really good ideas in the shower. I mean, it's just my thing. Everybody's got them. I have a good friend. She talks to herself in the car. She said everybody driving around her must think she's insane. I said, well, no, nowadays they just think you're on the phone. She's like, oh, that's a good point. Whatever works for you. Some people talk to themselves in the mirror, especially I've been told if they're giving a speaking engagement. Maybe that will help. See what your facial expressions do when you use certain phrases. It's all about practice. If you aren't on enough job sites, so therefore you don't have practice physically on them, then you practice in advance so that it's much more comfortable when you are talking about something that is technically making you uncomfortable. Now, I went back and listened to some of my earlier podcasts and I laughed out loud. I wasn't comfortable. I was felt like I was reading, which by the way, I wasn't reading, but I was stiff and clearly insecure about what I was doing. So I practiced and it gets easier. I'm not saying I love listening to myself talk because I honestly don't, but it is so much easier for me to convey my thoughts because I've practiced over and over and over again. And this is something that you can do on your own at any time. Run through scenarios. What if I go to that meeting and I forget my drawings? Okay, take a deep breath. So what? What is the worst case scenario? 
Okay. The worst case scenario is you may not be able to have that discussion about mm, an elevation that you were doing. Okay. Is there another way you can bring it up on your phone? Is there another way you can move the meeting? That's the then what? These are scenarios that you can do, run through ideas at any time to get yourself comfortable so that in the moment, if it happens, let's say you think you have the drawings in the back of your car, you open up the back of the car and you go, crap, someone cleaned out my car. Maybe your kids grabbed it with their stuff after school one day. What do you do? What's the worst case scenario? And then you think to yourself, oh, I've been through this. I know what the worst case scenario is. I can handle the so what, and I know what to do next. And then the last one, I know you hear about this all the time. I fall into the same trap of this inferiority complex that we get when we scroll through social media. It is horrendous. I see my kids doing it. I see myself falling into this trap, especially around the holidays, because guess what? I have a tree. It is currently sitting in the middle of our living room because that's as far as we got. It doesn't have a single strand of lights on. And yeah, it's the middle of December. So when I scroll through social media and I see these phenomenal, beautiful decked out trees, I think I saw one of them had like 1,400 ornaments on it. I mean, good Lord, that one didn't make me feel intimidated, but most of the others did. And I was like, oh my gosh, I failed again. I haven't put up the Christmas tree. And then I was like, oh gosh, all this work and it's only going to be up for like, what, two weeks? Like what a waste. Oh my God, all this time. But then I thought, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is we do all the work we normally do and we get to look at it for less time. So what? It's a bit of a bummer. I love sitting in the living room with the lit tree. It is something that brings me joy. But I also know that I've had a lot going on this month. And frankly, it would have stressed me out even more if I had crammed it all in earlier in the month, which is what we normally do. So what's my then what? Well, we're going to take it in chunks. We're going to put the lights up today, maybe some of the ornaments. We're going to finish the rest of the ornaments over the coming days. Okay, that is how I am going to get past all of those amazing photos that I'm looking at on social media. Mine will look like that. Not right now. Eh, It's going to take a couple of days. And no, it's not been up since Thanksgiving weekend, but it will get there. And when it does, I will stand back and I will say, ah, why didn't I do this sooner? And wait for it. I'll tell myself I'll do it next year, right? That's just who I am and how I function. So my point in all of this is keep emailing me, keep reaching out about your marketing plans, about the job you didn't get, because I get it. I want you to understand that this is a part of business. And in my personal opinion, I think some of this happens because we often work alone or in very small offices. We don't see all the other designers also not getting the job they want, or also having the phones not ring, or also having to-do lists that are just stupid long and way too unrealistic. And we think, oh my God, it's just happening to me. And then you scroll through social media. And as one friend just recently said, it shows you one side of their reality. And in my opinion, it shows you a nanosecond of that one side of their reality. 
because you'll never know if you're looking at photos on my Instagram feed, whether I am freaking out that day because my to-do list was unreasonable and I'm never going to accomplish it. You're just going to look at a beautiful room that I wanted to share. And by the way, you're also not going to see all the chaos and the stress and the work that went in behind the scenes on that job site to achieve that one photo at the end. So my wish for all of you is, yes, keep working on those marketing plans, keep working on the projects, but first and foremost, work on the underlying anxiety that's causing you to race towards a marketing plan, race towards calling people, race towards putting out more proposals that may be bad fits for your business model. Take a deep breath. Talk to yourself about what the worst case scenario will be based on the situation you're in. Ask yourself, so what? And then what? Those are the steps that I have seen bring my daughter so far in life and ones that I implement in my own life to safeguard myself from really major anxiety attacks taking me down rabbit holes that take days, weeks, months to really come back from. And ultimately, the goal for this month, the month of December, kind of the one month of the year that we all get a reasonable free pass is to take advantage of it. Decompress. Take some time off. Go for a long walk. Work on some office projects. Get yourself back up and ready for the new year because I know those phones will start ringing. They always do. You will get more projects. And you will work through the insecurities that you feel on job sites to build that confidence you need to succeed on your projects. And next time you scroll endlessly through Instagram, think of me and my naked tree in my living room and think this is one nanosecond of someone's life and has no reflection on me and mine. And then the last thought I want to leave you with is to build a community. Like I mentioned, a lot of us work alone or in very small offices, and it's really hard to build a community of like-minded designers that are going through the exact same things you're going through and can support you and tell you their war stories. You can learn from their example. You can learn from their issues. You can succeed and rise together. That is what this podcast was built for. That is what I am here for. And I have worked hard to build this community in order for us to feel more supported so we are more successful. So if you are interested in joining a dynamic group of women who are focusing on construction management, there is more information on my website about the course. And the exciting news is our new private Facebook group, which has already far exceeded my expectations regarding the interaction, the sharing, the supporting, and the cheering on that we all need all throughout the year, but especially it seems right now. So I wish for a peaceful end of this year, focusing on how you're going to approach the new year stronger and calmer than you're feeling right now. So if this leaves you with more questions and answers, you can always reach out to me through email or DM me on social media. I am always here to help. Until then, I thank you for your time today and I look forward to our next time together. 
Thank you for listening, and I hope you heard something that you can apply to a project today. If you're ready to increase your construction projects in your business, check out the details on my signature course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management. It's a six-part digital course that will save you a three-year learning curve, get you profitable, bring in an income and lifestyle that makes sense for you by learning the top strategies, what works and what doesn't, building your confidence so you're no longer paddling to stay afloat or worse, learning how to manage construction on a client's project. Through the course, I'm handing over 30 years of top strategies and advice. Head to my website, devinyedesign.com, for more details on the Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management and become educated and empowered for your next construction project.